Welcome back, one and all, and thank you for tuning in, as always, to another edition of Talk So Real with Matt Sanzala. I am Matt Sanzala, and this is the podcast series where I just kind of sit and talk to my friends about whatever and things, you know, and catch up. It's been some uh, time since I've got to sit down with one of my great friends here, and now I've seen her twice in two weeks. Miss Etika is in the house. Yay! Hello, my old, old, old friend. So old. Long time. Not as old as me. But man, yeah, it's been a long time, and it's so awesome to see the progression. I've been watching online, of course, but last night I got to really experience it live at Flamingo Cantina. You performed with uh, Dr. Dubbis and the legendary Mad Professor. Yeah, wow, I'm still tripped out about that. That was amazing last night. It was crazy, and uh, it's really dope how you have transitioned into this really strong dub DJ coming out of New York through Corpus Christi. Tell me a little bit about that, because, you know, I've known you back in the day promoting events and working with artists. I remember working with the nice guys and a bunch of cool stuff going on back in those uh, 2000-ishes, somewhere in there. Fun times. But um, tell me a little bit about what's going on with you now, because you, in the last uh, couple weeks, you played multiple times in New York, Mm -hmm. here in Austin. You got Mexico City coming up. Minneapolis, Portland, D.C.? Yes. Oh, and London, too. Oh, man. Crazy. Yeah. That's, I'm, 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 I'm excited. I'm excited for everything that's coming up. And then also, you know, just joining with bed What is um, Dubstye? Sorry, Dubstye. Dubstye is a sound system based out of bed Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And they specialize in dub music. But it's one of the biggest ones in... In, like, the U.S. Okay. Is that where you were living when you were out there? Yeah, I was in Bed-Stuy. And then I, the last two years I, I was there, I was based out of, like, a place outside of Bed-Stuy. So, basically Bed-Stuy. But what was that place? <laughs> it's like Park Slope. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lived in Clinton Hill in 1994 and used to have to go through Bed-Stuy to get to my job in Bushwick where I worked with kids on like a summer job program. Mm-hmm. And um, it was buck wild. It smelled like piss in around in where Clinton I was working. No, no, Clinton Hill was cool. But oh. going through Bed-Stuy to oh, yeah. what, my destination in, in, in uh, Bushwick was freaking crazy. And now everyone I know, including my daughter last year, lives in Bushwick. Mm. It's like the hip part. Yeah, yeah. Bushwick is <clears throat> is like the DIY Mm-hmm. kind of spot that's that's kind of where i played uh last week in new york yeah mm-hmm. and they have really cool warehouses that you know they got some really good bass music coming out of there right now so that's crazy how did you end up going out there to bushwick or i mean just to new york because you were mm-hmm. here in austin when, when i met you oh yeah that that was 2015 when i when you moved, moved to new york yeah seven years ago <laughs> yeah time flies <laughs> Dang, I know. That's crazy. What I took you out there? Time. Um, I just wanted to get out of Texas mm-hmm. and and just to, you know, have a different kind of experience and so I just up and left within a few days from here. I got a job there. So the same job you have now? No. No. <laughs> yeah, we've gone on a, quite a journey through different I mean, you work with the Berkeley School of Music even. Yeah, yep, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. That's, That's pretty wild, yeah. What do you do there? 
I oversee the kind of business operations, finance, administrative department, and um, it's not only a you know the Berkeley's New York location. It's also a recording studio, a legendary recording studio mm-hmm. that we took over in 2017, and we've been running it since. It's, it's really cool. We have some really great projects coming out of there, and mm-hmm. get to see a lot of different artists and stuff. When you first started DJing and playing music, did you envision yourself going more in this direction? I mean, because I feel like the early stuff, I mean, definitely had reggae in it. Yeah. Yeah, I started out doing reggae. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of, you know, after gig after gig of kind of like the same type of thing, I was in that reality for a while. And then I got more in touch with, you know, my roots and Mm -hmm. dug into dub. Which is crazy because your roots are from Guyana. Your family's Guyanese, and my professor also originates from there. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. We we connected about that. You got to talk to him. Yeah, it was really cool. He was like, it's so amazing to see a Guyanese dub DJ. You mm-hmm. know? And, and dub isn't really big in Guyana. Right no, now. no. But he was saying how wild that was. When that that's where he discovered his love for dub was in Guyana, but it's not. Mm-hmm. that big there and that's where he's from yeah well what would are you born and raised corpus christi yeah i'm the first of my family born okay in corpus, so it kind of doesn't feel like i was born there mm-hmm. but but do you think that city being on the coast had any influence on your musical tastes or is there a big reggae dub or scene down there in corpus i there is you know because we have the island life so we have a lot of reggae um enthusiasts but i wish it was bigger kind of more in the actual city of corpus um but yeah i you know i listened to a lot of dub in my childhood and that's kind of where i first fell in love with it and so it was more so kind of like i was influenced it influenced by it at home versus like the actual city i was in your family listened to it yeah my dad would play would play dub driven type of tracks on his speakers he had these big speakers oh man my yeah. dad had big speakers too yeah yeah that dad shit it's I father's know. day oh yes happy father's day thank you thank you man uh <clears throat> when we came down there last week though i really had some feelings in corpus christi because mm-hmm. like being in austin it's a really cool place in a lot of ways but as it gets more crowded and crazy, you kind of think about, I think about, you know, what's next? Where's this going to go? Because these, a lot of these people aren't moving here for the music. Mm. It's, it is changing in a lot of ways. But I kind of see Corpus as like an open canvas that's yeah. ready to be painted. Like, you know, like it's not small, but it's not huge. Mm. You know, it's not like some one-horse town. It's a city. Yeah. But it's not like some massive... You know, like I, I said this. I really felt like this, and I don't. And it's kind of a weird thing to say, but I felt like the miles were shorter in Corpus. Interesting. Like when you see a sign, it's like this is one mile ahead, mm-hmm. because you're moving. Yeah. You know, here when oh. you're in the hustle and bustle and the and the the traffic and just the, you know what I mean? Like I was like, damn man, this is so easy to cruise around here. Wow, that's a powerful realization. It was interesting because I was like, man. I love, I, you know me, 
for a long time. I'm not a patient person. Yeah, no. I can be when when it comes to traffic. You haven't been in the car with me in a long time. We actually, you were. No, you're you're wild. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to be all humble about it? Like, no. No, I mean, you know. <laughs> so I was like feeling good down there, and just being by the water—that's powerful. Mm-hmm. And seeing what Dusty has going on down there, and just the people. Yeah, love everything Dusty does. And yep. The whole crew. Yeah, they have some really special things going on there. And the energy is really nice when you're around the produce crew and Dusty. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think with you and him, if you start really, if you start hitting this road and you're going out to London and bringing those stories back home, mm-hmm. that might even help attract extra attention to that cool little town. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing is I really want to put on for my city, you know, and we need to join forces and really try to do that because we've had some greats come out of there. Like Selena, she's one of the biggest. The greatest. Yes. And who else? Okay, well. I mean, (laughs) Dusty called it Tejano Hollywood back in the day. Yeah. Like there was so much music and just culture. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really interesting if you could see like, a bunch of fed up creatives in different cities who want to just go somewhere else and start something new. That seems like that could be a great place. Yeah, like it should be the creative refuge. And and then we all join together and create something really special for Corpus. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to take, you know, an army of, of just everyone putting their energy towards it and really focusing on that goal. Yep. Mm-hmm. Did you, uh, what did you come to Austin for back in the day? Did you go to UT? Oh, I went to St. Edwards. St. Edwards, yes, you did. <laughs> I knew that. Duh. Dang. That's why. And oh. did you, you always had musical aspirations? Yeah, you know, I started when I was, when I was four. I wanted to be a singer. I would try to harmonize with Mariah Carey and Tony Braxton on the radio. And then every year my family would get me something music related for Christmas. It was like a, it was more so always a karaoke machine or a radio or cds or something kind of like that but i mm-hmm. and then i started playing the piano when i was four as well oh really yeah i would do like recitals and it would really give me a lot of anxiety so i was just kind of like <laughs> i don't want to play the piano i associated like the stress of competitions for like you know and i kind of took it out on on music or not necessarily music but playing the piano so i kind of laid off it you still play it all? I do a little bit. I want to get more into it now. I have like a few, like a few weeks, maybe two weeks, less than two weeks right now that I can kind of really have some fun in my little studio at home. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't hurt in your sets either. Yeah, play yeah. some live stuff. Dusty and I were talking about that though, because we love to see that you really are coming out of your shell with this. Like you, you're getting out there, and I think New York helped a lot probably that energy up there and the real fans of the music like I know whenever I go up there you know you living in Houston you can find a lot too but when you go to New York and you just hear it banging out of all the cars and in the bodegas and it's you're just kind of surrounded by it yeah I mean is it still like that yeah people are still bumping their their shit over there so that's what's really cool about New York is like music will always be the center mm-hmm. of a lot of things and so yeah it's pretty uh another city with a lot of energy yeah mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You kind of see yourself between Texas and there these days, or? Yeah, I'm really liking the duality of of being based in Texas, but going and visiting New York multiple times. Like, I'm going there every month, one one to two times a month for the next for the remainder of the year. Hmm. So, did the pandemic play any role in bringing you back to Texas? Yeah, I would say so because I. During quarantine, I spent a lot of time with my family. I helped raise my niece. Mm -hmm. And so it really put that as a priority, being closer to family. And also, a lot of my friends left New York after COVID or during COVID. So it was just kind of (laughs) like, you know, I want to be closer to my people. I hear you. That was a good time to be with uh, family. Yeah, definitely. And I know a lot of people who left then came here. I left, <laughs> left New York and came to I mean, both coasts, basically, uh, yeah. Oh, I see. A lot. Yeah. It's part of the problem. <laughs> no, it's all right. I uh, have to wonder, though, like, do you see yourself as just, not not just, that's a weird, weird way to say it, because I see you, you've immersed yourself in this dub world. You know, mm-hmm. like, could you still rock a hip-hop party? Of course. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like that's, this is a challenge, you know, going and immersing myself in the history, the culture, the techniques of dub. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's like a challenge because it's, there's a lot of things I didn't know and there's a lot of things that my perspective has changed on and, and, but and then, you know, but I, I did a lot of hip hop and R&B and that type of stuff. And so that's kind of like engraved in me. Mm-hmm. And those are my favorite genres as well. Um, but I just, you know, I really wanted to change my purpose in, in being a DJ and you know what I wanted to really push forward. Because there's a lot of the other stuff, you know. No, of course, of course. And it's really fantastic to see you as a woman jumping into the scene and getting the respect you get from what I could see, especially last night, you know? Yeah. It's, it's really cool too, to be in Austin and seeing people dig that sound and, and are able to open up and rock with me when that's not something that some people in the crowd have, you know, that they're exposed to. And so it's nice to be the one to, you know, kind of like hold, hold, hold arms and like mm-hmm. just be in that energy together. Well, we were talking along with uh, Sergeant Remo just a few minutes ago before this about the blessing that is Flamingo Cantina. Mm. The fact I told Angela last night I want to do a podcast with her and really get her story because it's got to be really interesting to think about all the things that have changed in Austin, all and lots of cities, but all the things that have gone away, like classic Austin places and things, but somehow. This little crazy reggae bar still exists in the heart of downtown, in the Sixth and Red River. It still exists right there. Somehow they survived beyond just surviving the pandemic. Like mm. they're an original music venue that takes chances. Yeah. Amidst a bunch of like shot bars. Yeah, it's know. such yeah, it's such like a like a cherry and on that that entire strip of just buildings it's so it's like a magical little kingdom when you go inside it feels magical like it feels mm-hmm. like fairy like 
Man. I mean, it opened in 91, and I'm telling you, I probably, I for sure walked in there the first time in like 92. Mm. And I still feel it. You know, when you walk in there, exactly what you just said, like you're in this, you're in Flamingo Cantina up on that deck. That's like the vibiest spot you could imagine. Like, it feels like you're standing on like a throne or something. Mm-hmm. And especially the way you look down and it's just like, wow. And the audience surrounds the stage. Mm-hmm. It's nice. It's like gladiator type style. Yeah. Well, when I first went there, what I noticed was going to like rap shows in like 90s, early 90s Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean... At a certain point, it was right around that moment when groups like Cypress Hill, Ice-T, and stuff, they started coming out, I hate to say for lack of a better term, but like the white audience. Like they came into like, what I always separate is nightclubs and live music venues. Oh, yeah. And the problem in a lot of the early days of hip hop, even though it was fun to go to the club, like a lot of the concerts that were in just the nightclubs, they were not in like a proper sound system for a live show and stuff. And then they started, like, these groups started going, and for some reason, that's when I started seeing a little more diversity in crowds of hip-hop shows. Mm. But coming to Austin back then, before all that really happened, I was like, man, like at Flamingo in particular, everybody was there. A whole crazy mix of people, mostly young, energetic. <clears throat> the artists on stage, it was were all t- it was nothing like being in Houston, mm. and the vibe was just cool. In fact, it was a lot cooler to come to some of the shows up here mm-hmm. because they were at a place that had like a sound engineer that cared, or yeah. you know, mics that worked and things like this. Yeah, you know, and this place—that's what I remember of uh, Flamingo. It's really always been just this welcoming place. I mean, it's a reggae-centric place, but that is still the place for young hip hop artists to go. They had. It would have been nice if uh, Notion would have advertised this, but I'm sure it was a nice surprise for the people who went, and it's my bad because I had stuff to do that night. I didn't get to go, but Large Professor performed there, Mm. and Lord Finesse was there. I saw that on Instagram afterwards. I was like, "Oh, maybe if you'd have said Large (laughs) Professor and Lord Finesse. Yeah. I wanted to see Large. I love him. So I don't even remember what happened to that. I didn't go, but Mm. it was a man. The stuff that happens that those are some some moments yeah they have a lot of powerful artists going through there i think that's what that's what adds to the magic and the sound system is sick too like it sounded so nice in there last it night. sounded excellent mm-hmm. really nice so i commend them i'm so happy that they still exist and it's i mean what other city has a place like that i mean new york or blah blah, blah. Yeah, yeah some places but not like the average city does not have a flamingo cantina yeah, it's and, crazy. It, and it's so crazy just how intimate the setup is, too, because it's like you don't feel so separate from the artists and you, just to see them walking around and just vibing with everyone. It's like a safe place for them versus like I feel in another venue. Mm-hmm. It's more kind of separated and, and you can't really interact. The vibes aren't there to interact the way you can. My professor was sitting in the corner for you and Dr. Dubbis just chilling. I didn't even know that when I got off the stage. I I was like, oh, wow, hi. And then he said, oh, you didn't know I was sitting here? Like six, like he bigged me up and it was was like, wow, he was sitting there the whole time. I didn't even know. That's wild. And that's like Dr. Dubbis said on stage the first time he ever went to Flamingo Cantina was 1999 for Lee Scratch Perry (laughs) and uh, Mad Professor together. That had to be a crazy show. Man. 
Yes. I saw Lee Scratch Perry in Amsterdam in 96 mm. at a festival. And uh, it was indoor, outdoor, but his port, his show was inside like at midnight. You almost couldn't see the stage. It was so smoky. Wow. It was the crazy, and the show was just, it was like being in outer space for real. The music, the vibes, the show, and just you're in this like fog because mm. the whole place was smoking. Dang. And, uh, I've always loved him. I've, I've went actually once to Flamingo during South by Southwest when uh, uh, Lee Perry was p- performing. He was headlining. And he had the band, the New York band backing Subatomic. him. Subatomic? Yeah, Subatomic. Yeah. And uh, so we go there. We're standing there waiting, waiting. I was with Queen Majesty. Mm. And uh, just waiting, waiting, waiting. The band is just going and going and going and going. And he doesn't come in and supposedly there was a big puddle behind Flamingo Cantina when they were bringing him in the back door mm-hmm. and he wouldn't cross or, or go around the puddle because there was some bad vibes in the water or something. <gasps> and he even went back to the hotel <laughs> and everybody was freaking out. Like you have to come out. And I, my friend Chris was there too. And he stayed, I left at two forty-five, and he hadn't come on yet. What happened? And he did come at some point and <laughs> did like 10 minutes, from what I understand. But uh, crazy memories in that place. He's a boss. He makes his own decisions. Yeah. Protégé played there for South By in like 2011, 2012. Mm. Early in his <clears throat> journey. Yeah. Yep. You also did the Reggae Fest this year. You played in the, the, the dub corner. Oh, yes, I did. Yeah, that was that was great with McPullish and King Remo Sound System. Yep. Was that your first time? Yeah, that was my first time. And that is that's King Remo's actual sound system. He built that. Yes. I need to get him on here. We're gonna talk about that one of these days. I have some ideas yes, you have to. for the future here. That's family right there. Man, that's dope. It's crazy though, because we are in Texas. And Texas has a reputation that's not getting better most of the time. <laughs> like, and most people from the outside looking in have no idea that Houston is the most diverse city in America. They have no idea the energy that comes out of places like San Antonio. And a lot of people hate on Dallas. And I always have fun in Dallas. I don't know. I, I talk about that with people all the time. There's like a real culture down here that I think artists like yourself can help to spread. Mm to see that there's the diversity of sound and and art and culture that really is coming out here because the news is often quite bad. Yeah. But they have no idea what goodness lies down here. Yeah, and I, I feel like we're kind of responsible for doing that as natives from Texas, you know. Is, yes, we can all go and live other places, but if you're especially if you're representing something that's kind of underground or not you know not as accessible in Texas i think it's it's powerful when you decide to you know kind of kind of infuse your yourself into Texas and and your sound and your style and your creativity but yeah i mean i think a lot of people have two dimensions if they they know about Houston rap or they know about country music or something but I really hope bands like the Black Pumas people recognize and understand where they're from people Mm -hmm. understand where 
Gary Clark Jr. is from and where, you know, so many great artists down here. That's so cool. He would just be, Gary would just be walking down the street, like, you know, when, because I just remember seeing him around Austin, like back in the day. I mean, we'd have parties and hip hop events and stuff, and he'd be there always. He's so nice. Just supporting real music. Yeah. And now he's on top of the world. It's well deserved, too, to watch. I mean, it's a great example for you and everyone else in, in music, that example of the work that he put in on a real genuine level. Yeah. You know. For years and years, he was. Years and years. Yeah. Pounding the pavement. Yeah. For sure. The only way. Yep. What's a, uh, tell me about what you got coming up, because you were telling me, you were rattling it all off last <laughs> night in Mexico City. Like, what's going on in Mexico City? Oh, me and Remo are going to go do a tour. We're going to go and play wow. like all these different venues. Like some of them will be vinyl. Some of them will be digital. And yeah, I think it's like almost every day we're going to be playing. Really? Just in Mexico City? Which yeah, is, and like surrounding, I think. I mean, it's one of the biggest cities in the world, so there's lots of places you can yeah. go there, I'm sure. Yeah, I've heard so many great things. I'm Have so you been? I haven't been to Mexico City. I've been to Mexico. But what parts? I've been to like Tulum and Cancun. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the secret spot off the air down in that area oh. where the tourists don't go. Okay. And it's pretty dope. The uh, Minneapolis event is huge. Yeah, that's really big. Like everybody's on that lineup. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for that. And I think we're going to be doing something the day before, too, maybe. Should be pretty cool. How are these things coming together? I think it's interesting, but I think it's social media, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, because I'm not really out and about in, in like that. I'm usually at home, like in my studio or working. And so I I've kind of amped up using social media as a tool to just showcase my sound and what I'm about and even dub and affection my mm-hmm. radio show platform I think that's helped as well because it's like oh no I really do love dub and mm-hmm. sound system culture no I love it too and I love what you've been doing with that in fact when I was off social media I think we like texted at one point or something you sent me a couple links because I was like oh shit I didn't even know I'm like where can I hear what you got going on yeah but the uh those are mostly on like SoundCloud, MixCloud. Yeah, I had all my dub and affections on SoundCloud through the radio station, I guess, that I would broadcast. What was the station? It's like Playground Radio. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's out of a coffee shop in Bed-Stuy. Hmm. But, um, yeah, they had them all on SoundCloud, but, you know, SoundCloud kept taking things down in mixes due to stuff in songs and mixes. And so they moved to MixCloud. Mm-hmm. And then they uploaded them all there. But it, it was a bummer because all my kind of comments and like likes and stuff from from the shows went away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're just posting on Mixcloud now. I try, when I post to Mix, I try to post on both. Like, it doesn't hurt. See what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That has always been a problem. I remember, if you remember back in the day, I had this bright idea of we wanted to do sixstreetradio.com. Mm-hmm. But then as you dig in more to, the legalities and the uh, the cost, you know, the licensing costs of internet radio, which I think is a very uh, uh, 
I don't want to, how do I say, uh, they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They know what they're doing. They're not going to let just all of us out here take over the airwaves. True. Because the, the, the charges, like the, what do you call it? The light, not licensing, but when you pay the publishing or the Royalties ASCAP and Royal, whatever it is, you know, you're, okay. when you're playing on the radio, it's like a thousand times more when you're doing it on the internet. Like they can, they consider like you have this infinite audience. Wow. So they make it so it's just not possible for just anyone to do it legitimately. So now Which it's is just rough. more so like you, it's easier to pre-record and then just upload. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's nice. I mean, I uh, bought a CD from Dr. Dubbis last night just because I want a CD. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I love having the access. When you came in, we were just streaming David Rodigan on BBC. Oh, cool. I love being able to stream, but I do miss, you know, I, let, I'm, don't, I mean, I still buy physicals. Yeah, tangible. Tangibles. Yeah. Do you still buy records? I do. I just I actually just bought a record yesterday. Um, Where'd you go? I well, this one is from a producer that I'm obsessed with. Who's that? Alpha Steppa. He's I think he's based out of Germany. Mm-hmm. He he does Steppa's music, but he he puts this like rock star spin on it. Like it's so sick. He dropped a track called Redeemer yesterday and i have i've just been hearing it before he dropped it he kept playing it in his sets and i just like i want that song Mm -hmm. and he only dropped it on vinyl like there's no digital so it's like (laughs) no one should be no one should be playing it who doesn't have the record type thing (laughs) exactly that's dope did you go have you gone into hybrid records yet no, I'm actually gonna head brand new record store in Corpus Christi. Yeah. Oh yeah, hybrid. Yeah. It's called hybrid, right? Yeah, hybrid. I haven't. I see that. I see a lot of the things they're doing, and I really want to check them out. I mean, that's an alliance right there. You need. You got a hip record store in Corpus now. Yeah. It was nice. We went in there last week. They had really. They had reggae. Oh, that would be cool to play reggae there. Yeah. Um, got some new turntables too. So. I guess they have some there, huh? Their records. I don't know. I assume, but yeah, you should check it out. I think that my so cool. I want to see you as active as possible everywhere, but I think you could really turn something out down there. Yeah, yeah. I really want to set some things up. I dream of a reggae festival there in Corpus. I mean, it makes sense, and it'd be a great destination to go for a weekend for a reggae festival if you could set it up, especially maybe on the island or something really sweet. That would be. So I um. I could definitely see that happening. I think uh, your story, like, coming, you came here, you left, you know, you have to leave where you're from for a while. And I always tell anyone that gets into music, you know, if you want to make it, you got to go get your ass kicked in New York a little bit. I feel like you told or me Or in that. L.A. Mate, probably. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. It's like if you want to you, you really learn it, you got to go immerse yourself. In that. And then you're going to make contacts for the rest of your life. And people who are really in it, you know, need to see how it really goes down. Yeah. And then when you come back to a much cheaper, easier living place, (laughs) you bring all that knowledge and your contacts back. And then you can go up there and make money and come (laughs) spend it here. I feel like you're just describing my life now. That's good. That's what I'm saying. You go up there, you make the money, you come back here to spend it. It's still, I saw... People talk about prices coming down in New York within the median 
rent is like four thousand dollars a month there gosh yeah i mean that's another reason why i was like okay i just need to kind of not pay new york rent for a while because it's getting kind of out of hand it's out of control here too but it's not as bad as that and then i see a place like corpus and i'm like hey <laughs> a hum- an actual human being could buy a house here <laughs> yeah for now until so you have that festival and Everybody south by southwest it. Yeah, imagine. And moves to Corpus. Man, it's crazy because you were young out here. And, you know, all this, all those old guys complain about the changes and things. Yeah. But you played on 6th Street yesterday, and you guys relayed a little story of when you left. Does it really, because you know me, I'm jaded as a motherfucker. <laughs> Bad. So yeah. maybe I'm wrong, but do you feel like a big change from when you were younger walking around down there? Oh yeah. 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 I would, I would, I wouldn't like downtown used to like be able to hang out on the street. People would like hang out for a while after Oh, people still do hang out on the street. But like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you would feel safe when they did that. Yeah. And now I don't feel safe to hang out. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't do it now that I'm older, but I'm just saying in general, it just, it just feels, it feels like something's about to go down. Like it's very tension. There's a lot of tension I feel Mm -hmm. when I'm down there. It's really strange. And uh, you said, y'all said you heard gunshots when you went to the thing. And that's feel like that's, that's not being as reported as it was at first. Like it's every week. Yeah, it's it was right next to it. Like it was it was to the point where I was like ducking because I didn't know where like where they were coming from and it was so close. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, I I hear gunshots in New York all the time, but it's like um I don't know, it's different when it's in like your 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 place where it that you've never heard that before. I mean, where there's thousands of people just kind of hanging out, supposedly going for a good time. Yeah, and it's yeah. just so open. That's just like you don't know. It's less kind of controlled than New York, you know. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I, I'd say it's kind of crazy, but they're still. We're blessed. We're lucky. We still have venues that are trying, and you know, I was terrified during 2020. You know, like. How are my people going to survive this? Oh gosh, How are we going to do this? How are these venues with $40,000 a month rent or whatever it is? You know, yeah. how do you survive? It's already hard enough if being a successful venue, you know, the, the money is, it's a, there's a lot that goes into it to, to be able to survive mm. and to see the, the, the so many and you know, people like <clears throat> the Mohawk and Empire and the, the Red River, the, the Red River Coalition of folks who really like stepped up and came up with agendas for like funding and national national agendas even for trying to keep these venues open. Yeah, and that music crazy. fund they had as well. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. Yep. When we were down here, I mean, I know you left during the pandemic up there, but when we were down here hearing about New York, was it really that crazy up there when COVID really started hitting? Um, yeah. Like everything really, cause here, you know, I have mixed feelings about all this stuff, but we did have a lockdown of sorts here, but 
it opened up pretty quick compared to a lot of the countries. And I kind of was wondering about like, what was it like? Was it really as as severe as we, we heard? Man, in New York, I I remember I went there like during December of 2020 and I was uptown, like Upper West Side. And it was like 11, 11.30 on a Friday or Saturday night, and there was no one outside. It no was one. desolate. There was no one walking outside. It was so weird, like zombie land. Mm-hmm. And then when someone would approach you, they would have a mask, and it would be really scary because it's like, oh, you're the only person on the street right now and you're approaching me fast and so that was a more tension it was yeah. like tension there so. man i had a moment like i'm not anti anything Every, whatever you do to get through it is fine i'm very happy to not wear a mask these days and to see people's faces again i'm very happy for that but i was never like tripping on if i've i've put it on if i needed to you know if that's the moment called for it. but it was in new york state actually in jamestown new york i had this moment where uh we went to this uh, liquor store mm-hmm. and it was kind of, you know, questionable sort of area and get out the car, put the black mask on my face and like walk in the liquor store. I'm like, man, this is not right. <laughs> I would not want to be the, the, the people working at this store. Here come these dudes like masking up, walking in the store like, what's up? <laughs> We were not doing what's up, but you know what I mean? I'm like, come on, man. This is so so aggressive. It's so crazy, man. Like it was such a weird feeling, you know, and I got to see Pennsylvania and then upstate New York and like Cleveland around that time because I was with my my mother up there for a while and Texas, every place had like little different nuances of how they were dealing with it. Mm -hmm. You could see, you know, yeah, and then rules would change here, then not there, then there. Yeah, Texas was really lax compared to, like, New York took it so seriously, like, to where everyone wears masks just when they're outside walking on the street. And, you know, when I would come from Texas, I wouldn't have to really wear my mask in Texas like that. And so I would forget a lot in New York, and people would just look at you crazy. It's like, oh, oops, I'm just walking outside. Yeah, man. That's what that's I will say. I'll rewind what I said a minute ago that I didn't I don't judge people on everything on the things they do. It's like if you want to wear a mask, you want to wear a mask. But I would see sometimes like someone walking a dog in Texas in the middle of nowhere. No one anywhere near them at all. I'm like or in the car by themselves. Like, wow, yeah. What are you protecting yourself from yourself? The car thing was pretty wild to me to see someone driving with yeah. a mask. But I mean, it is what it is. It's whatever gets you through the day and it's they I can't fault anybody for being careful. Right. And it really it tripped us all out. Yeah. At least we're approaching kind of a brighter side of just the darkness we've been in. As an artist, did you have any like bleak moments in this? What did it scare you? Um I think it was just more so a sign to dive deeper into my art. Exactly. Good. Yeah. And I guess it worked. Great. No, that's good. And the streaming thing, I talked about it on a couple of these with people like it. In fact, I think I talked about it with Grammy Styles. Like at first when we were all talking to each other on Instagram live and seeing people play an acoustic guitar in the bedroom or DJing on the thing, 
which we still watch on Twitch. I like, I do, I'm, I'm into it now, but I had a moment where I had to turn all that off. Mm. I was like, no, this cannot be the world. Yeah. This can't be it. We have to get back to life. And last night was so life affirming. Yes. Back in that little venue with the real music and Good great energy. people, great yeah. energy. It exists. Like, it's almost like the shit didn't happen. That could have been like that. That could have been like the '90s last night or something. Like it was like a classic, normal life vibe. Mm-hmm. It was super dope. It was like a time machine. Yep. Crazy. I think that's part of what dub music does, though. It does mm-hmm. transform time, transport you in different places, beam you up. Yep. Yep. Even when. Uh, the kind of jungly vibes came out of Matt <laughs> Professor. <laughs> yeah, he turned it up. Yeah, he got it going. It was crazy. <laughs> I, I was just like, where is this energy coming from? He's got a lot of energy in him. Yeah. Been around, too. He's seen it all. Mm-hmm. So then uh, what else after Mexico? Um, well, after Mexico is D.C., we're doing like a sound system event. And then after that is New York. And then after that is, it's just a bunch of New York in September and in October. But then hopefully October will be London. Yeah, that'd be dope. Yeah. I think I can see some, I mean, I'd love to see like burgeoning things happening, scenes happening, but. <clears throat> you and Corpus, Remo, San Antonio, Dubist here, and others, Dusty. There's a whole bunch of really interesting people taking DJing electronic styles of music in different directions right now. And like you said, I think it might be a product of having to really step back and focus. And now everybody's just exploding with creativity and art. Like, I can see a whole new scene burgeoning and we're finding each other and banding together exactly and that's what's really and then we inspire each other to keep going and that's what i felt like maybe we all didn't really i mean we had it but it's like a really nice version of it right now Mm -hmm. there's a new grammy styles album oh nice coming next week i gotta tap into that yep i love grammy styles you used to, that was in your early days of DJing, you played with them. At Flamingo Cantina. At Flamingo, yeah. Was that the only one? Yeah. They were trying to book me for some other stuff, but it, I was in You already York. moved, yeah. Yeah. So it was really cool to reconnect with each of them in different ways now. Yeah, crazy. And I just dropped a podcast with them as well and got the, the, the new update. Late Pioneers of Psych Dub is the new album. Okay. That's great. It's going to be out, like, on vinyl or streaming? Or? They are hoping they'll have the vinyl for the release party on June 24th at <sighs> Mohawk. I go to that so bad. Book them in Corpus. I know. They would do They would do well there. House of Rock. There it is. That's it. That would be dope. I per- I, yeah, I need to go to House of Rock more. That's such a great venue. Man, y'all two both should do you a Texas tour. Yeah. All right, let me write that down. Come on, Matt. When you got time, I'm going to call these boys. Yeah, manager Matt. Yeah, see, I hesitate. (laughs) (laughs) I know myself. You hit a nerve. Yeah, no, but I've I've been thinking about it. Like, it's kind of that. I mean, listen, 
being around Houston when nobody gave a shit outside of Houston and then all of a sudden seeing the work that people put in translating into like this whole new movement of, you know, fans around the world and people, you know, I got to see it. I got to experience a real moment in music history, in my opinion, you know, and I do have a feeling right now about a much wider and diverse array of music coming out of this scene, this community and something about to happen. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm predicting it here on the podcast, but something is, is in the air right now for sure down here. And when things get really bad and really negative, there's always a balance. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that balance of good comes from art. Mm-hmm. And it definitely comes from community and people getting together. So this could be, it could be on the verge of something. Yeah. And, you know, and I love it. So, and there's lots of young people doing stuff, but I mean, and you're young, don't get me wrong, of course. <laughs> Grimey's younger, all of them, all y'all are younger than me. But like, talking about like the teenagers, and, you know, new kids coming up. But when I see, I think about like, like we haven't missed a beat. I haven't seen you in a minute, but like just connect back again. That's it. It's not like, seven years or something it doesn't feel like anything like that grimy styles i'm like that record was in 2007 shit you know what i mean like 14 years ago like that's yesterday yeah i remember when they would play out like 20 yeah uh 2008 watching them i think was it scoot in that was the sister nancy show they played that right yeah they put it on we put that together and had uh so Queen fun. Majesty. Oh, okay. She played that night. Yeah. That's so cool. That and Moss Man played with Sister Nancy. Moss Man. Out of Montreal. Okay. Yeah, it's like all coming back. To and he put together that whole Kingston All-Stars records that came out in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And wow, that's really yeah. cool. And his brother Rufus was booking the Scoot Inn at the time. I love the Scoot Inn. It's crazy. Those memories. My God. Speaking of things changing <laughs> in Austin, uh, that used to be the smoke out. Yeah. <laughs> Scoot in. Now it's like they have metal detectors. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's like a. It's not, I mean, right it's a Live Nation venue. It's a professional venue. Uh, it has. That's, that's, yeah, that's. It's changed a lot in that way, but it's still a nice little spot for what it is. No, I think I just like the memories I have of it, so I don't want to see what it looks like now. It's not doesn't look that there's a little cleaner, but know. it's still like at that barn vibe. Remember when we watched Blackie there? Yes, <laughs> that was crazy, and I think the nice guys were on that show yeah. and everything too. It was such a crazy show, Blackie's so wild. He's still going. <sighs> I want to see him. He's still going. He actually had a he had a show a couple weeks ago and had to cancel for COVID. Oh damn! But he's all right. But he's still killing it. And no, you know what? You just opened up another can of worms here because mm. you pay attention to music. And if you saw Blackie back then and you saw it and felt that energy and knew that this was really something valid and crazy. And now every motherfucker sounds like Blackie. Yeah. Not everybody, but there's a whole bunch of dudes who are just not half as half the energy or realness of him. But there's so much of that shit. Yeah. Like really, you know, weird aggression, not quite his like politically charged mm-hmm. 
you know, real personal uh, music. But there's yeah, so there's a lot of people out there that have <laughs> copped that shit. Yeah, he's the originator. For sure. Because no yeah. one was really doing what he was doing when he was doing it, when I saw him doing it. Yeah, not like that. No way. And that was a special night because all those rappers who had never seen anything like that before. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I remember trying to, like, prepare some of, some of the the people that were around, and they they were just like, oh, like, okay, I think I get it. But then afterwards, they were like, okay, I know, I know what you mean now. Like, yeah. Because yeah, I think that night it was... I know the nice guys were on that show. I can't remember who else. I don't even remember watching them. I feel like they were on that because I, I have pictures of them in the background, but they were on the, the stage outside and then Blackie oh. performed inside. Okay, yeah, I remember that. And now. everybody came in and was like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, he was jumping around everywhere. Mm-hmm. He works his entire room. Big time. Yeah. The first time I ever booked him, speaking of sound systems, um, I was like, Hey, you know, you know, for when you book a band or anybody, you say, what do you need? Like, do you have an input list or something? You know, like, what do you need uh, for me to, you know, get plug in to soundboard and all this? Or mm-hmm. He's like, no, nah, I got my own shit. <laughs> I was like, okay. Because um, I had seen him on a smaller level, like, before he put together his own, like, sound system mm-hmm. and brought it into the club. And I'm like, all right, hey, yeah. He shows up at Mohawk for a birthday party or something. It was a Babu Blakes and him. Mm-hmm and kid and i was like uh you need some help he's like yeah all right yeah i'm go out there and he's just got massive speakers and i'm like looking at him like uh the venue has speakers <laughs> he's like yeah well the sound man usually gets pissed at me so uh, i bring my own shit <laughs> oh because he turns turn it up it loud yeah yeah so he sets his speaker <laughs> in oh, the middle of the man. floor oh, and shit. all these people who had never seen anything <laughs> like that before Yo, I'm, I'm getting like so many flashbacks from um, from his shows, and I remember what didn't he perform at Fun 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 Fest? Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. remember that one too. That was the first time I saw. He was like on the ground, like the dirt yep. or something, yeah. practically naked. Yeah, it was wild. I had my daughter with me there when she was probably ten, and she was quite uncomfortable. She was oh, like, I don't want to see this. I think I remember <laughs> seeing her too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's Show 20 now? The world. 20 in New York now. That's so crazy. And she can say, I saw Blackie way before all this other <laughs> shit. Yeah. You know? But yeah, that is some memories. That's crazy. The scene. Yeah, I miss that festival. That was, that was good times. Well, Corpus. Yeah. Do something down there. Beach Fest. Something. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. space. It's out there. Cumbia, reggae, we could feature some rock bands. Throw Blackie right in the middle. Yeah. Throw off the whole day. (laughs) (laughs) Bend some people. (laughs) Maybe the second year we'll do that. We'll get through our first year and get the people all ready to come down and party. And then we'll trick them into. Yep, exactly. (laughs) And then it's Blackie. Fat Tony's also really come up. Oh, yeah. I, I saw him a few times in New York. Mm-hmm. Like we'll just run into each other. It's amazing. Yeah, it's totally amazing. It's, and we're all still standing. We made it through all this, and I'm so glad to have you here and catch up with you and talk to you again. And I definitely see big things. Give thanks, Matt. I've of always looked up to you. You're one of my favorite people. 
man, feelings mutual. I mean, you think, you know, you and Cam and stuff like that. Like when I was trying to do things, like you think it didn't help to have like real, you know, young energy, people motivated to go out and help make these things happen. Like y'all helped me more for sure. Like getting out there and getting things going. Yeah, for sure. Those were the days. Yeah, and now, now we're like in chapter two type type shit. Chapter ten. Ten. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, there's a whole new of whole decades. Thing I kind of meant like this is like the second decade. Basically, yeah, for sure. It's crazy. Yep. Well, I certainly appreciate you coming down, making some time to get on talk so real, get some real talk for the people. Big fan. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> it's, it's big. I'm thankful for you and my other two, three listeners. I appreciate y'all very much for tuning in. Of course. And uh, if people want to hear Dub and Affection, they want to get in touch with you, they want more, where do they find you online? You can What's find Dub and Affection on Instagram. I do a lot of sound system educational type of post, and I feature a lot of artists and the radio show. So that's Dub, D-U-B, the letter N, E-F-F-E-C-T-I-O-N. So dub in affection. And you could find that on Mixcloud as well. And then if you want to follow me, I'm Etika, E-D-I-C-A underscore on Instagram. And then just Etika on Mixcloud and SoundCloud. Yeah, the underscore threw me off recently. (laughs) Really? tagged you on a photo, but then I was like, oh, that's not her. Oops. Yeah, I've been trying to get the regular Etika with no underscore for a while from that person. I don't know why, because first of all, I am old and I'm not the best with technologies, but for some reason when I did it, it wasn't suggesting. Like I was typing in at E-D-I-C-A. And I was like, I guess it's just Etika, I don't know. And Uh, then I was like, oops, no. uh, Well, I got you. Anybody talk so realist on Instagram, I got some videos of last night. Of all y'all, have you seen them yet? No. All right, they're on the stories. I'll oh, cool. send them to you on WhatsApp too. Okay, sweet. I got Etika's WhatsApp. We're not gonna put that out on damn no, no, no. on the internet yet. No, nope. Don't be what's happening until you're about to book her over in uh, Norway. Yeah, Norway. We'll give you we'll give you Norwegians and Swedes <laughs> the WhatsApp details if you want them. The rest of y'all gotta gotta just send an email, slide in the DM, whatever you do. I'll be there. Already. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Etika. So great to catch up again. And we'll do this again. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you to everybody who stuck with us here, listening to Talk So Real with Matt Sanzala. Like I say, I'm Matt Sanzala and Talk So Realist on the Twitter and the Instagram. And that's about it. I might get on some other social medias too one of these days. I might have young Etika teach me again. How to do all these things. <laughs> we can, we can tic-tac it. And Oof. <laughs> tic-tac. I'm not ready to tic-tac. <laughs> but I think you might have put me on to Instagram. You might have showed me how to do <laughs> really? it or something. Yeah. Cam's the one who showed me how to do Facebook. It was like a foreign language to me when I was like, what is this? For what? Twitter. Okay. Oh, gosh. All right. We'll stick to the podcasting. Again, thank you so much, Etika. And, uh. Please keep us up with everything you got going on. Of course. Already. And thank you guys all for listening once again.